With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello there guys, what is going on? Daniel Charles back here again for another show. Hope you're doing well, hope you're keeping safe wherever you're watching or listening to this. It's Q&A time, answering your questions that you kindly submitted on my YouTube community page and also on Twitter at Son of Chelsea. Make sure to go and follow if you haven't already. Great questions, a lot there. Apologies to those I can't get to because some people do kind of ask similar questions in terms of subjects, so I sort of pick one out and then go from there. And we have uh, various topics to get into today, so really excited to get into that. Before we do, if you're new around here, make sure to hit that subscribe button, make sure to hit the notification bell if you want to see more Chelsea content and don't miss any of the content on the channel at the moment, news, previews, reviews, all of that good stuff. And if you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. Son of Chelsea is a part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. But let's get into your questions. Firstly here on Twitter via at RJ Goodfings. RJ is a great guy, really, really good Chelsea fan had some great conversations with him hopefully have another collab with him coming up so definitely go and follow his his account he asked which players do you look to first as leading us out of this mess that in itself is a very difficult question because the the element of sort of you know and the issue of character and leadership and those intangible things have been lacking within this squad desperately this season and it's why I continually talk about the problems we've seen of Chelsea struggling to deal with adversity in games and when you have that very simplistic kind of or just that kind of base level where you cannot respond well to setbacks it's why you're going to be in a lot of trouble during games despite your talent I would say based on the current season I'm still looking at players like Thiago Silva who have set the standards and it's great that he's staying with the club another season Reese James obviously probably our most talented player and, and a transformative player. But then also I'm looking at the basis of the players that we've invested in heavily over the last six months, particularly in the January transfer window that hopefully will form the spine of Chelsea's future team. The likes of Benoit, Badiashile, Wesley Fofana came off the bench um, on Saturday and looked decent to me. Uh, Enzo Fernandez, Mikalo Mudrik, Nodi Manawake, potentially Joao Felix if he remains as a permanent player. So many within there and younger ones like David Datra Fafana, the, the likes of Malogusto coming in the summer and Christopher Nkunku. There's a lot of names there and you hope there will be a sense with those players that they can form a, a good sense of cohesion and unity and, and, you know, hungry players who want to succeed at Chelsea. And that can form the basis of a, of a next group of characters that you can rally behind and feel like can develop into that. But at the moment, you are struggling. You are really struggling to see where those characters are going to come from because, it's not only about who's in the dugout, that plays a massive part and absolutely a, a, a team is a reflection of the coach, I do believe in that phrase. But at the same time, there should be responsibility on the players' shoulders and some of the the older players who've been at Chelsea for a while who haven't been performing up to standard do bear that responsibility and that makes it very concerning. Tom Coley asked, do you see an end to the Twitter culture war? No, unfortunately, but that doesn't mean... You shouldn't engage with fellow Chelsea fans online that we just should, you know, 
escape all of these social media platforms obviously uh but it's it's a thing that you just kind of have to accept but i feel that it's kind of having a balance with with making it clear your stance against it and making it clear that there's a lot of nonsense and that that isn't a reflect the most toxic parts of Chelsea's Twitter do not reflect Chelsea fans as a whole of course they don't and as as noisy as they can be as disgusting as some of the dialogue and tweets I see towards players towards other supporters the deranged stuff you see gets worse every year I think a lot of fan bases are dealing with that that problem at the moment and the Twitter culture or the Chelsea culture war is not I don't think it begins and ends in, in, in Chelsea circles. It not only spreads out to other fans, and as I said, other football clubs deal with very similar things, but in society, those are kind of wider things of of people becoming more abusive with the anonymous nature of, of social media. So I can't see it. And, and, and as well, you've got to understand, I, I think, as I've seen in recent years, there are people who just view football clubs and view the way you follow football clubs very differently to the way I think a lot of people do in the sense of treating them like sort of disposable Netflix series. So that's why I think they treat fellow fans with contempt. And, you know, I, I also do want to point this out. There isn't two sides of a debate here. It's not like me having conversations with people that I, you know, think that Graham Potter should be sacked as Chelsea head coach and we disagree on certain things and we're not abusive to each other. You were talking about, you know, there are those type of people who you can engage with and have conversations with, but then there, are, there is the toxic, awful side of Chelsea Twitter that deserves to be called out and deserves to be shunned because it, it doesn't reflect Chelsea fans. And then when you're actually inside the ground and you speak to people in person, surprise, surprise, it's very different because Twitter isn't real life. All these slogans and, and insults and slurs people put onto others um they don't reflect in the real world because in the real world you know Chelsea fans have that shared common interest and even if they debate and disagree with things it's, it's just not the same so yeah I, I can't see an end to it but there are still good people on Twitter obviously that I engage with and on social media too so it's it's a shame that it's come to that but I can't see it ending anytime soon unfortunately Chris Wright asks, I'd like to know the view of a few of the Chelsea YouTubers. If Potter isn't sacked today, he's referring, I think, to, to yesterday, Monday, is it a good idea for the players to have two days off? Mind-boggling to me. There was obviously strong reaction to it, and I can understand why someone would look at the, the situation at Chelsea at the moment and go, why are they having two days off after a defeat to the worst team in the league? But these were already pre-planned, uh, some of these days off, and, you know, players do deserve time off every now and then. Uh, I know that we at times are guilty of looking at them as kind of robots that you just bring in all the time and, and make them run into the ground and potentially get injured which we've had a lot of injury problems this season I don't see the harm of, of having a rest and also maybe a little bit of a break from the environment you know it's not only the fact that the players get that rest to to think but it's also a time for Graham Potter and his coaching staff to maybe have some valuable thinking time in what is probably one of the most difficult moments in Graham Potter's coaching career or at least most scrutinized moment of his career so I, I don't feel for me that out of the things I'm concerned about at Chelsea, having two days off is top of the list, in my personal opinion. And I think Chelsea, you've put out a good tweet that I'll probably show on screen now that reflects this, that it, it isn't as simple as bringing them back in and that's going to make a world of difference. So hopefully the time off can refresh players, can get players back into a stage where Graham Potter isn't being advised by the medical team that they have to be rested for an important game. And hopefully that'll be the case after a few days off. Michael asks, what would be considered a success for Graham Potter from this point on, this season specifically? So I think Champions League football is definitely out of the question. Um, but I keep on saying these things and I think they're, they're kind of base things I'm looking for at the moment from the Chelsea team. Is obviously consistency, an improvement in results, a major improvement in results, but also value and, and productivity from an attack that has been 
poor for so long uh, and seeing signs that Graham Potter, you know, and, and I think the data in terms of XG, I referenced the John McKenzie TIFO video, which I definitely suggest you go and watch where I think it's called his Graham Potter out of his depth for Chelsea. And it looks at kind of the improvement in XG that Chelsea have had. We've been creating better quality opportunities. And despite me still not thinking that the second half against Southampton was anything to shout about, at least Chelsea are getting closer to scoring a goal, but we are picking and feeding from scraps at this point. But I, I look at those things. I look at the fact that if you're seeing a more consistent level of performance, if players are starting to link together well, if we're seeing those connections on the pitch, and you're seeing a team that looks not only cohesive, but as I said with one of the early questions today in terms of who you're looking at to get out of this mess, I want to see a team... And it's, it sounds so, so basic, but just a bit of fight, a bit of courage, a bit of a sense that when I watch that team, they can overcome things. And just a sense of pride in the team, right? I, you know, I, I know that some people want Graham Potter sacked. And probably even if Chelsea were at best to finish like sick, for instance, if somehow we have a, an incredible turnaround, I know there may still be some people who think that Graham Potter should be sacked. But I want to get to the end of the season looking at a situation where it isn't so diabolical, the players aren't reacting to him. I mean, would he even survive if, if that still was the case in a few weeks' time? I'm not sure because I think the, the reaction would be really, really toxic, even more so than it is right now by fans. But but those are kind of basic things where you can actually look at, yeah, we'll see with a preseason, we'll see with a less bloated squad what he can do. And then you give him the first few months of next season to see a real improvement. That's where I stand right now. Um, and, and as well, I think, you know, a, a better showing, obviously, in the Premier League. I, I want to see Chelsea at least beat one of the teams above them. And we've got a chance to do that next weekend at Spurs. Expert asks, is this process solely reliant on sticking to one manager? Is having a coach long term the only way to be sustainable, stable? What is considered stability? Performing game in or game out or having a long term manager? I feel that we've, for me, just as, you know, the way I've been looking at Chelsea and some of my frustrations with Chelsea in recent years has been the lack of a structure actually above the manager, the lack of expertise or the sense of clarity over what Chelsea are and what Chelsea are looking for in a player, what Chelsea's style of play is on a general point of view. Now, I still think that's hard to decipher right now, but we are only, well, we're under, you know, a year since the takeover. So I like the fact that you have the likes of Win Stanley, Vival, uh, Lawrence Stewart, uh, Joe Shields. You know, we have a lot of people behind the scenes now who have that expertise and maybe can clarify what is being looked for from a player and, and what is being looked for. I think that is as important to having one coach because you see a lot of these top European teams that I look at, say, a Bayern Munich, but I think Man City have really mastered it where... The head coach will change. It changes two to three years. And obviously City is an exception because they have the greatest head coach probably of all time. Definitely the best coach in, in world football right now in Pep Guardiola. But I think Bayern is maybe a, a better example because they will have changes. You know, there is high, high expectations. But there is a sense of that club that it doesn't completely collapse once you take out a head coach. I think part of the problem that we've had at times is is really buying into a head coach and thinking that they are kind of God and you have to you have to bring all these specialist players for them at the same time. I think that is it that is a a simplistic way of looking at it. And in Chelsea have realized with Antonio Conte, with Maurizio Sarri, you could argue as well maybe with Thomas Tuchel and Frank Lampard that there are pitfalls to doing that when you change your head coach so frequently and you're changing the style of that head coach, not only in terms of character, but what they want to do on the pitch. So it's not just about 
sticking with one head coach and even if and that head coach failing consistently obviously it's not it's not just you have a head coach for five years and they continue to fail when that makes you a better club than someone who realized that the head coach wasn't the right person and changed things obviously that's a logical um but i do think that at times chelsea have in the previous ownership sacked head coaches too quickly and have i think fallen foul of, of that short-termism and that rapid change constantly that has created a, a lot of collateral damage that I think we've seen not only this season but in recent seasons so it's not solely reliant on that stability I think is is not just about the head coach it's also about what's in, above that head coach effectively to create a system that can create more consistent results and, and decision making in the transfer market in the way you build a squad in the way you develop academy players into the first team a lot of things wrapped up in that, but that's kind of the way I look at it. It's not just about sticking with Graham Potter. It's also what's, I think, above him that's important for long-term stability at a club. And finally, Angelo asks, will Oba get a chance now? Also, this is not a question, but the manner in which some of the so-called Chelsea fans are throwing abuse to players, the manager, the owner, etc., is sickening. As fans, we have to show some respect for ourselves and loyalty towards these people. It's ridiculous. You can almost tell by the way some conduct themselves that they don't know what it means to play a sport, let alone football. On the second part, I completely agree with you, mate. I think that, you know, the treatment of your own players, the, the hatred and the dislike. I spoke about this with Mark Kukurea, but you can speak about it with many players. With Aubameyang, it just seems to me like Graham Potter has made a firm choice with him. He's not his number nine. And I I know people get annoyed at me about this, but I, I respect that decision because I think a lot of people were criticizing Graham Potter when he was using players like Aubameyang uh, a month or two ago and really relying on them. It's a messy situation. It was a player. I, I do think you can give criticism to the, the new ownership for making that signing and in sacking Thomas Tuchel the week after. That is just silly. I, I don't think there's any way around it really in terms of you, you buy a player that was specifically signed for one head coach and was pushed by one head coach and uh, just to appease that that person and then you're sacking him days later after Aubameyang has only played one game for us. It is silly and, and the collateral damage we've seen through having a Bamiang post that, even though he did start all right for Chelsea, you know, you, you've seen the fallout and it hasn't been good. Of course, there's been rumours of an MLS loan because their season starts next month. That could be a potential. The, the Barcelona return fell through from, you know, you wait for regulations over the, the number of clubs he's played for. It's a difficult moment. Will he get any chances at Chelsea? I, I think I'd be naive to sit here and tell you yes or no, because... We know how crazy football is and we see players get reintegrated. You know, in the reality where, where Graham Potter is sacked in a couple of weeks' time, let's go with that one. Aubameyang could be back in the team if a new manager, an interim or someone else comes in. We know how football works and we know how quickly players who look completely out in the wilderness effectively on the fringes can be brought back in and, and become important first team players. But at the moment, I think Graham Potter has firmly made his choice. And the fact that Aubameyang is so far away from football at the moment tells you a lot. It, it really does. So that is it for today's Q&A. Thank you guys once again for all of your questions. I do enjoy doing these and, and kind of thinking about things in different ways and maybe touching on topics I don't in my sort of news videos and previews and reviews. So I really enjoyed doing it. I hope you enjoyed watching and listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Sona Chelsea and I will see you again very soon. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network.